This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, Nate. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, Jason and I are excited. Every time we get to talk to a new business owner, we just know we're going to learn something. And one of the best ways we found to do that is to kick things off by asking them, our guests, if they come from a family of entrepreneurs. So, Nate, do you have entrepreneurs in your family origins or what did that look like? That's a big no. Um, my, my my one grandpa was a farmer. One grandpa was a traditional employee in the food service industry for a long time. My dad was actually career military, and uh, yeah, he's retired from the guard. Um, I remember talking with him actually about starting a business. I'm like, hey, I've got some ideas. I want to do this, and he did his best to talk me out of it and told me all the reasons it would be a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> But for me, I knew it was, uh, honestly, I knew it was the only way to really get the leverage in progress, right? That I needed like, you know, leverage to my income, leverage to getting to my goals faster. So despite his best efforts, I uh, I did it, failed my share of times and then some probably, but uh, yeah, so no, it's it's definitely not in my genetics. Wow. Well, first of all, there's a lot of crossover between you and Jason. He himself obviously is a decades in military career professional. Uh, and he also comes from a family of farmers. So there's a lot of crossover there. When you said that, I was like, wow, both of them, we usually get one or the other, but both oh, yeah. of them, there's <laughs> nice. a lot of background there. Uh, what is interesting though, is how, and I think this is an important part to highlight your behavior in your response to people trying to talk you out of something, right? And how you decided, well, you know, I'm going to find out for myself. That Mm -hmm. I think is a very, sort of looking for. It's an important quality in highlighting exactly what has made you who you are today. Where do you think that came from, that that rebellion? Was it just (laughs) you saw what they had and you weren't interested or what what did that, where did that come from? You know, and I don't even honestly feel like it was rebellion. Um, I got some good advice from a friend in Brazil. Actually, I spent a couple of years in Brazil and a guy I really trusted down there. He gave me this advice. He said, I would rather, I got to kind of say it in English differently, but he's like, down in Brazil, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people that have like a wheelbarrow full of yucca root, which is kind of like potatoes. And they just walk down the street yelling, it's called makasheda, makasheda, makasheda. You know, and people come out and buy this yucca root from them. And this friend of mine said, I would rather sell yucca root out of a wheelbarrow than work for somebody else. And that stuck with me. And, and we talked about why a little bit. And I just realized that, you know, having, having that control over my own, yeah, you could kind of be grand and say over my own destiny or whatever, but just, you know, over my own day, it's like, 
I feel like if I go out and I apply myself as well as I can, I should be able to, you know, receive the, uh, the reward that I, that I deserve based on my, my efforts and how I apply leverage and so forth. And so, yeah, when my dad was saying, oh, you know, there could be time away from your family. There's these other sacrifices, you know, and I just don't know that it's going to be worth it to you. I, I took that advice and listened, but I'm like, okay, I recognize there's going to be sacrifices, but there's also going to be benefits. And again, it wasn't a rebellious kind of thing. It was just, okay, well, for me, those benefits, the expected benefits are going to outweigh those sacrifices. Yeah, man. No, when you put it that way, it does make a lot more sense. At that point, it wasn't just one opinion and then you went out. You sought counsel from a few people, took a look at where it came from, and then said to yourself, well, that's very valuable advice for someone who can point out exactly what might be sacrificed. And then at the same time, very valuable advice from someone who can point out exactly what there is to gain and what you should be standing for and how you took that in together and decided what you're going to do with that. Now you have made an exit about three times or so, and probably more just notable ones, right? You built and sold businesses. So you also have that in common with Jason, right? In, in, in In a large way. And in particular, the reason why I bring this up is because this specifically primes you, puts you in a position to be able to answer this question. And that is, how do you define entrepreneurship? Like, what do you say is the requirement in order for that label to be added? Because there is a difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. In the, in the connotation of the word entrepreneur, I think at least, uh, you know, anybody can own a business. I, I've always felt like let's say somebody comes comes from money and they decide they've got a pile of cash and they want to go buy a business. Just buying that business and owning it and kind of, you know, maintaining the status quo, it just doesn't feel like entrepreneurship to me. Uh, now, if someone does have money, goes and buys a business and really expands it, really grows it, that's, that's the difference. There's a great definition um, that I read in a book once. It's actually from the original meaning of entrepreneurship, which I think is French in origin. And it basically means somebody taking resources from one level, you know, at one level of earning and moving it to a higher level of earning. So if I if I were to buy a business and I can take what's you know producing $100,000 a year and make it produce $500,000 a year, then I'm an entrepreneur. If I can take nothing, start from nothing, and then generate revenue and generate leverage, uh, that's entrepreneurship to me. So it's not just kind of going to work every day and and just maintaining it's it's that growth mindset and and building and and that's hard for me because there's been points in my businesses where i'm like i'm sick of growing i'm done i just want to stay here uh and not be that entrepreneur which is which i think is fine um if if that's where you want to be but i think there's definitely a difference again maybe not in the literal definition but to me at least in that the connotation of what it means to be an entrepreneur i think so I love it, man. Thank you for going in depth on that. Uh, before we go any further in the narrative, I want to turn it over to Jason since you have so much in common. I just want to hear his <laughs> reflections on that and uh, and his reflections on some of the comments you made about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you look at entrepreneurship, I think a lot of people look at, um, I know this, you know, way, way earlier in my life when I, I heard the word entrepreneur, I thought of like, uh, you know, the big internet boom and all that kind of stuff. And then I looked at business owner as brick and mortar, 
Right. That's, that's kind of, that's how I used to kind of look at that and define that, but obviously it's so much more than that. And I think you nailed it on the head with what you said. Um, and cause anybody can go out and I, I, I can take, uh, and go to several places on the internet where they're selling businesses or go hire a broker and buy a business for 1.5 million, have my return back in a couple of years and then just let it ride, right? And just take take my money from it and so on and so forth. That's investing. That's not entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are two different things, right? So mm-hmm. that that's be really becoming an investor. And then you put people in place and do all those things, which I do that too. But but there's something about the hustle that keeps the heart moving, man. I mean, that's that's what keeps you moving and keeps you alive every day. Yeah. And I think I, me personally, I go through cycles, right? Like Mm. sometimes I'm hungry and I'm just like, I'm just going to go out, build it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to grow this thing. And sometimes honestly, I'm burned out. Right. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, and, and sometimes like those cycles can be micro or macro. It's like, you might have a good week, except for one day. That's the day you don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Um, It's true. but you could also do it like, hey, I've done this for you know two, three, five years, and be like, hey, I'm just I'm I'm kind of done. I'm just I'm tired. I want to move on to something that's gonna, like you said, get my heart pumping again, get mm-hmm. get some excitement, and it's just time to move on. I love yeah, that, it's, man. It, it's interesting because when you look at you know the the different or different types of people, right? That uh, if you're more of the architect architect type versus like the operational type on, mm-hmm. on how, if you're an architect, how bored you get really quickly, right? Because yeah. you go into something, you go into something and you, you get it started and then it's like, okay, great. It's moving. Now what? Right. Yeah. So it's like, then the fun stops because there's no more real excitement to it. And we were just having this conversation in Nashville um, last weekend. And uh, it's just like, you know, the different types of people and how, who's meant to do what part, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I always have considered myself an architect because... I get really bored really fast. And it's like, what, what else can I do? Right. And then what else? And then what else? That's not always such a good thing necessarily. No, either. No kidding. <laughs> you know, I was, sorry, can I interject something there? I was, yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't thought of it quite in those terms of architect versus, you know, like a operator. Uh, but by the time I'd been a grown up for, let's say 10 to 12 years, I was like 30, 32 Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, this time and I got married, young. I got married when I was 21. And so I had wife, had kids, uh, trying to be a grown up. and about, again, I'd probably been, I've probably been 30, 32. I sat down and counted and I had had like 15 different jobs and including some businesses that didn't go so well, but it was partly because of that. Like I'd get six months into a job and I'd be like, I'm going to just stick something in my eyeballs. I can't take this anymore. It's <laughs> so i can relate to that it's like i just need i need something interesting something new and something yeah something to be interesting that's that's really fascinating because i'm i'm 33 right Mm -hmm. and i have definitely had my fair share of jobs over the years Mm -hmm. and i have also had massive failures and things that didn't work out as i intended 
and most of them were bootstrapped, you know, and mm-hmm. while I did make some money, the times I did make money, I kind of started coasting. Uh, and that's like, that's the time when you're supposed to double, triple down. But, you know, lo and behold, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That worked out. I guess it's easy from here. No, <laughs> that's just the beginning. Yeah. Right. And so it's really interesting to hear you say that at some point you sort of turned over to the idea of having an awareness that, okay, I know I'm going to get bored. So how do I maximize and capitalize on those things? Right. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I am now only just now starting to do. So it's really interesting to hear that, that that's sort of where your timeline was too, Uh, because there are some people from the jump. I mean, and it could just be, they were, they were, they were raised around it, but they're just executors don't stop. And they have that vision early on, but, uh, you chose to go into bookkeeping and, and this idea of CFOs right now. I love that because as, as Jason was mentioning earlier, you know, most people, and I was one of those people think of entrepreneurs and just go in the realm of like, Oh, tech. Right. And that like, mm-hmm. that's like an easy, most that's the sexy, everybody sees it on media, but there's so much money out there, man. It's so much opportunity. And you chose bookkeeping specifically. Was it because it was as direct as you could possibly get about money or <laughs> what drove you to that? It was completely accidental, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, and let me be, let me be authentic. Like when I was, when I was about 21 and I'm 45 now, just for context. When I was about 21, it was probably when I had that conversation with my dad about, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. And he's like, no, that's a bad idea. Uh, and so, but I went, like, I'd, I'd have a job. And again, I was getting, I was getting married and having kids. I'm like, I need to take care of this family. So I'd get a job, start a business. Uh, business would fail. I'd go back to, to get a job, right? I had to, like, do that. So it's, I don't want people to think I'm the, the guy who's like, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. And that's all I ever did. Uh, so it's. It, it, it definitely is a process. Uh, but what happened was I got a, I got my bachelor's degree in marketing and I couldn't get a decent job. Like I was getting paid almost, you know, the never actually worked in marketing. I got offers that were like nothing to raise, to support a family on. And my, sorry, let me get some water. My father-in-law owned a business and he took pity on me and said, you know how to use QuickBooks? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. And he said, why don't you come keep my books for me part-time? And I was like, okay, cool. There's some cash flow, right? And at the time, I'm like, well, as long as I'm doing this part-time for him, why don't I go see if I can do it part-time for somebody else? So I got a second job doing bookkeeping. <laughs> and it, it very quickly, first of all, it clicked for me. Like I never was going to do accounting, right? That was not my thing. Or at least I didn't think it was my thing, but it just clicked. The order and the structure in it just made sense to the way my brain works. And so I went back to school and I started taking accounting classes and I became, you know, certified management accountant, got a master's degree, degree in forensic accounting. And throughout this whole process, I'm, I'm working with small businesses, right? Uh, just because that's kind of where I started <clears throat> with my father-in-law. And so as I'm learning accounting principle after accounting principle, I'm applying those in small businesses and I start freelancing and then started building it into an actual business. So it really was not like, oh, I've got to learn this accounting thing because that's a good business model. It was seriously, this is a skill I learned because I wanted to eat and I wanted to feed my family. And once I had that skill, uh, it became, I'll never say it was easy, but it became easier and easier to you know, apply it in a business setting where uh, you know, there, there is a leap. If you 
been there from freelancing to actually hiring employees and, and managing the business. But uh, yeah. so yeah, it was not it was never my plan, but it it worked out, and so I've done it a few times. I think it's invaluable to have somebody who has your background on this show, specifically because uh, there are people who are going to start there. I have this mm-hmm. skill, and I don't know how I'm going to use it, but I'm going to use it. And <laughs> it goes to the next thing and the next thing. And they're riding on this skill. And then the challenge comes. They can't get themselves out of that role mm-hmm. to actually bring people on and do something about it. And so they kind of stagnate, right? And that's not where the road to entrepreneurship is. So mm-hmm. how how did you did you have a mentor or someone that told you if you look if you're going to turn this into a business, here's how you might want to do it or was it your education or did you just read books on it? So I, I wish I'd had a mentor. Did not. <clears throat> that probably would have been a lot more helpful. Uh I, well let me I guess let me be specific. My first bookkeeping business, I hired an employee And I got so scared because I had a client who was like way behind on payments that I I let my employee go. I called him and I said, dude, I'm so sorry, but I got laid off. And and I was like trembling when I got off the phone, right? Because I'm like, it it was that, it was that big leap of being responsible for somebody else's financial stability. I'm like, I've got to pay this guy. What happens if I can't pay him? And at that level, I wasn't mature enough to, to keep him. I'm like, it's going to, it's way easier just to call him and say, you're gone. And I'll do all the work because I just can't, you know, mentally or emotionally, I couldn't bear that. I couldn't emotionally bear that risk or that responsibility. Uh, Anyway, probably not a surprise within probably, I want to say six months, maybe even of that, I had decided to sell that freelancing business where it was just me, right? I just sold my accounts and and moved on because when I am the only employee, I I burned out. so the the other two businesses I had, I did hire employees, and one of them, gosh, I feel like such a wimp when I'm telling the story this way. Oh man! <laughs> but one, like the first one, it's like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody like very part time. They're going to do very very basic stuff, stuff that they almost well that they really can't screw up, right? Uh, because I was afraid of the risk again. I was afraid of, hey, they're representing me. And I know the level of my work and I don't want to bring someone in that can't match that level. So it, it was like months and years of baby steps until I could actually bring employees on to actually do some real stuff before I felt comfortable enough with that idea. Hopefully most of your, your listeners aren't quite as tepid as I was there. Uh, but then there's one more thing I did is as I was really aggressively, aggressively growing my last business, I'm like, look, I'm just going to grow it to the point where I literally cannot take on another client myself. And that way I'm like, I can't take this client on for my own time. So I'm going to take this client on. I'm going to have an employee take care of their stuff. And if they don't like the way my employee does it, they can go because I can't do it myself regardless. I just don't have the time. And so I, I grew aggressively and I, and I did it deliberately that I was going to force myself to have to have employees to take care of my clients. Uh, and it actually worked out. Right. But there's, it's weird. There's like, there's like this big hurdle. And once you get past that hurdle, you know, and it might be your first employee, it might be two or three employees, but once you're there, it's like, okay, I just need to hire somebody else. Cause we need, you know, everybody's busy. We got to do stuff. But there is for me, at least there was just that one, you know, huge bump in the road that I just had to get over and sort of had to 
force myself into it. Look, man, this is probably the, one of the most valuable conversations uh, in in introductory young entrepreneur, would-be entrepreneur could ever hear. Uh, so there is value to the fact that you shared that because it's a huge psychological leap for some who are perfectionists, mm-hmm. who are craftsmen, uh, you know, people who rely on just their skill and couldn't be bothered with being managed nor managing others, right? So there's this whole psychological leap that needs to take place as opposed to someone that may be more uh, immediately built for entrepreneurship where they're like, yeah, the whole point of this is I'm not doing any of the work, you know, and that's their whole thing. And that's just how they're built. It's so important to see the other side of this because I can tell you right now, I've read a lot of books and never, ever do, they usually just gloss over this part. Yeah, hire an employee and, you know, eventually right. you'll get to the, and that whole part for some people is the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. The yeah, biggest and, it's, challenge. and it's not a technical challenge, right? It's like, it's not like it's hard to place a help wanted ad. It's just emotionally letting go of the control. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned the word perfectionist. I, I went out saying, I'm the best bookkeeper. <laughs> I'm the best controller. I'm the best CFO you're ever going to have. And then it felt disingenuous to me to disingenuous to me to turn around in like two months or six months and say, Hey, I know I said I'm the best, but now I'm turning over to an employee and I expect to be just as happy. And so if I could give like if I give one piece of advice on this subject, it would be if you intend to hire employees, go in knowing that and make sure that when you're talking to your potential clients that you and it's This is more for a service business, obviously, Uh, but make sure that you're selling your company and your system and your process and the whole concept more than you're selling your own personal skill, just to avoid feeling like it's kind of a bait and switch thing, right? Oh man, that's gold. That's what I would have done. It really is. It really is because people will focus on trying to have someone like and trust them for just them and not care about mm-hmm. any system or any process don't worry you're in good hands right like i'll take yeah. care of you as opposed to look we've gone through the through through the trouble of creating a system and a process that's why the company mm-hmm. you're so right and that dialogue is very important uh yeah. i love it I, I know that a lot of entrepreneurs maybe who are further ahead maybe like yeah okay but we covered that earlier this is for mm-hmm. the people who are not even remotely there because there are psychological leaps they still have to make uh with certain safety issues about where the control of things and there's even some really successful people who still stay in some key roles in their business that they will not let go out of their own psychological safety mm-hmm. needs and yeah. so i think it's a very profound and very relevant conversation to have uh what i want to do before we move here before before you do that yeah yeah um, here here's a, another thing you only know what you know too right when you're at certain places in your 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 life, this just isn't business. This is everything. Um, you don't know how to be a good husband until you're a husband. <laughs> right? I'm still right? learning. It's been 20 years, <laughs> right? five years. I'm still yeah, learning. I mean, well, it's you know, they're we're supposed to be trained. They're supposed to train us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> some of us are just harder headed than others. Right? Totally. <laughs> so yeah, so, but you only so. know what you know, and. And until you you go through the process and you learn and you figure things out and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's just a growth process in my mind. I yeah. look at it as it's, it's just a growth process that we have to go through. Now you can shortcut that growth process, but that means you have to be willing to let somebody show you a path. Yeah. And a lot of people are not because they're, it's my baby. I'm going to hang on to it. You know, God, I don't want to let it go. All these different things. You can't tell me any better, even though you've been doing it for 40 years of your life, but I just started yesterday, (laughs) those kind of things. And we can get so much farther if we just set all that stuff aside and, uh, you know, ask questions. Right. I often, my neighbor, I talk about him all the time on the podcast because um, he was one of the previous uh, CEOs of Oracle. And so I talk about him a lot on the podcast because every Monday night we have a cigar and a scotch and we talk a little bit about business and then we watch a football game. And every, every Monday night, he kicks me in the nuts <laughs> right? for something. Right. Um, and there again, you can either take that and listen or just decide to look the other way. And, uh, you know, and he, he was in business for 40 some years, CEO of multiple big fortune 50, 500 companies. So probably somebody you should listen to. Right. Mm-hmm. And, or, or at least take what's valid to you in your business because obviously we know that something that's valid to one business might not be to the other but but fundamentally yes so go ahead what were you going to say oh i I was just thinking there's two sides to that one is knowing what you need to know learning it and then disregarding it because of your ego or whatever like you were saying yeah Mm -hmm. but i think for me something i experienced a lot was the emotional side of it too where i was It's like I was ashamed of what I didn't know, or I was afraid people would find out that I didn't know everything that I should know as an entrepreneur. And that's the, that's one of the big things I would change about my own story. If I could go back and do it differently would be, be totally comfortable that it's your first day in business or that it's, you know, Hey, I've never run this kind of company before. I'm just getting started, but I want to do it because that's who I am. If you can be comfortable being where you are and, and with other people knowing that you're uh, you're not perfect because nobody is just be authentic and be genuine. You're so much more teachable. And I think you're also so much more attractive to other people mm. there. You're when you're real, people just feel it. And they just want to be, you know, they want to be involved with you or, you know, your friend or a business associate, or whatever, just be com- And you get in your own way when you're trying to hide what you're, what you are, or what you aren't. So just kind of get out of your own way and say, Hey, this is where I am. You know, it's my first day. I'll figure it out. I'm learning. So, you know, it's totally fine. I love this specifically because, I mean, I know a lot of people stand on either side of the fence with Myers-Briggs, but there, there is, a, I think it's ESFJ. There's one particular, uh, or uh, ESTP, I think it was. There's one particular Myers-Briggs type that's supposed to be like the proverbial entrepreneur. And, you know, to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to make decisions and this and that. And then I'm also of the kind of the person that can get emotional about decisions, right? Like certain decisions, I'm like, oh, I don't know, but there's all these things. And, you know, and certain people will go, it doesn't matter. Just <laughs> make the choice. 
it's that same emotional decision-making that I make that I have that allows me to have connection with people and have conversations, right? Because I can choose how I want things to feel for both the, or for the entire group and collective involved in a discussion. But it's that same strength in that context that becomes a huge weakness when it comes to making certain decisions in business that shouldn't require any kind of, oh, how do I feel about this? It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's something you have to do, you yeah. know, and, and that, that is why I think it's important that we're having this discussion because uh, could you imagine if you got into business with a partner that could make up for those kinds of things and just get that out of the way and you focus on the other aspects where they might be like a bull in a china shop trying to talk to the team and everybody wants to quit because they don't care how people feel. And you, so you see, that's where the dynamic is really clear. And it's, mm-hmm. it's exciting how awesome the conversations today have been. And they're almost like exactly what the, the kind of conversations we've been wanting to have on this show and have had, but they're becoming so clear and punchy now. And you just happen to be the right person for this specific topic that we really wanted to get recorded on wax, as they say. Uh, So I, Nathan, I I can't thank you enough, man, for being able to bring that energy and that realness, even though you yourself were like, I don't know if I want to share that, but you did. (laughs) And I I can't tell you how much we appreciate that, man. Uh, So before we roll out the red carpet for where people can get connect with you, I just want to give a shout out to some of our supporters. There's two in particular we're going to run through uh, just because they've made this episode possible, right? So the first one is Stephanie Emmett, and she's looking for solopreneurs, people who are spending like on reasonable amounts of hours trying to do it yourself marketing, right? And they're wondering why it doesn't work. And none of this works. They told me email marketing was going to be the answer and it didn't work. Whatever the case is, if that sounds like you, then Stephanie Emmett can help you with her six her startup to six figures mentorship. It's a solution that she created specifically for that type of person. If you're the one that's tried everything and still hasn't figured it out, she knows because she did the same thing and she did find a way that works for what you're trying to do. So you can either spend a bunch of hours trying to figure that out and fall into analysis paralysis, or you can go to the right, as in W-R-I-T-E, the right Stephanie.com, and she'll take care of you and give you a 10% discount because you mentioned that you heard it here. That's just love for being part of this business community because it's, it's, it's what we do in business when we like people. So that's one person, right? The other is Shelby Joe Long with Rogue Publishing Partners. Rogue Publishing Partners can offer you a host of experts for everything you need to get published from industry executive. Whether you're an executive, an entrepreneur, a consultant, whatever it is, and you've been thinking about writing a book, talk about turnkey solution waiting to happen. And again, it's something you get to benefit from because you listen to this show. So tell them that you do, and they're going to roll out the red carpet for you and show you all kinds of love. You go to roguepublishingpartners.com and you'll see it happen. With that said, all right. Nate, I want you to tell people where they can connect with you and what you're up to. Great. Thank you. So uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is my website, zero to CFO.com. And it's spelled out Z-E-R-O-T-O-C-F-O.com. To give a little context, the last business that I sold, uh, we did a lot of CFO type consulting, right? And we basically said, here's what you need to change in your business based on your accounting data to be more profitable. And unfortunately, a lot of people sort of went away sad from that because they couldn't afford it. Uh, as, you know, I, it was me and I had a few other CFOs on staff and startups or smaller businesses, they just, it's like they need that, but at that level, they, they just, they can't always afford it. And so 
when I sold that business, the next one that I started, Zero to CFO, is we do the same kind of thing, but we automate a lot of it. We've got some software that plugs into accounting software and it'll pull your data out and give you a lot of the same data and say, and it'll highlight, hey, it's time to hire, or it's definitely not time to hire, or maybe you're overstaffed, or uh, it'll look, it'll, it creates a forecast and you can see down the road, are we going to be profitable? If not, what do we need to change now to do that? So uh, that's what we do. That's the, that's the main, that's our flagship product right now at Zero to CFO is that automated data analysis. Um, and for your listeners, I did actually create a coupon. So it's a, it's a monthly subscription. It's 175, but we do 25 bucks off if they use the coupon War Room with no spaces, just W-A-R-R-O-O-M. Uh, but yeah, we want, like, like I said, I met a lot of people, they call and they were very interested. But when we told them the price tag to have like a full fractional CFO, they just they just weren't there, and so with this model, I think a lot more people who really need it can can have access to it, and especially with the economic outlook, I think right now uh, yeah. people better be running a tight ship, so they've got to be on top of their numbers. So Pen- pennies are soldiers, man. Each-, <laughs> <laughs> Each one of them has a place on the battlefield, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, man. Definitely switching to. Uh- to pour over coffee over uh going out to a starbucks that's kind of the climate definitely <laughs> for sure so i just yeah. want to reiterate where, where uh, the the website for people to go to specifically yeah zero to cfo z-e-r-o-t-o-c-f-o.com there it is yeah, look, yeah for, man. look for automated data analysis that's that's the main thing it's just been such a pleasure to be able to dive into a story where someone was completely honest and has the experience to back it up on not only their successes, but also some of the challenges they had to face. I, I think literally it's gold. Like, had you heard an episode like this, Nathan, back when you were coming up and let's say podcasting was around and you heard yeah. someone <laughs> and how they did, how would that have shifted your own perspective, right? Well, let's be honest. I, if if I had heard it at that, let's say my first business, I may not have been mature enough to accept it. I, I probably was a little prideful. I was probably a little, again, ashamed that I um, you know, wasn't successful on my first day. Uh, so I may not have even listened. So that's one. But if I did, yeah. I would, I would have changed things. <laughs> sure. Very true. Very true. There are things I can't believe I'm still having to learn that I probably should have learned a long time ago. So yeah. you, you make a valid point there, man. Uh, with that said, uh, before we close things out, and I'll turn it over to Jason because he traditionally closes this out. The, mm-hmm. the, the last question I want to ask you, and it's a tradition on this show as well. If you could have invited anybody to listen to this conversation today, to be a part mm-hmm. of it, maybe even contribute any point, place, time in the world, who would you have loved to have had here and why? Yeah, that's easy, actually. Uh, That actually is my kids. I've got a daughter who's 23 and she's just starting a content writing business. I've got another daughter who is 22, maybe 21 or 22. Uh, She wants to start a yoga business. Uh, I've got a son who's 18, just about is going to graduate high school this year. So uh, yeah, just, I think it would have been good for them. So I'm sure they can, I'm sure they can listen to it. Yeah, no. Wow. That's, that's perfect. That's a perfect answer. I think it's valid and I can't wait to see what they do with their businesses and who knows, maybe one day we can have them on here to share perspective on those early stages of owning a business. I think it would be relevant. Uh, With that said, 
Uh, I'll turn it over to Jason now to close this out. But man, I got to say, just a great conversation and I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, great conversation. Uh, you know, we love being on the show with like-minded folks. You definitely fit in that bucket with us, no doubt. Um, and, uh, you know, 168 hours in a week, you spent 38 here with us and we appreciate you doing that, uh, in your schedule, taking time out of your schedule. Cause you know, obviously we all have lots of productive things to do, not busy. <laughs> not busy things to do. I hate the word busy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for being here and uh, wish you tons of success in the future, even more than you have today. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been fun getting to know both of you. Right on, right. man. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.